0: back to the Cape Fear Rundown. From WHQR Public Media, I'm your host, Camille Mojica. This week, we're gonna talk to Rachel about her year-long reporting on Stamped. Then we're gonna talk to Ben about how a party can actually disagree with one another, even inside of their own circle. Stay tuned! paying attention to national coverage of North Carolina, there's been a couple of things that people are talking about. There's been talk about the General Assembly and their overturning of Governor Roy Cooper's veto of the voting policy changes. That has been on National Mothership NPR All Things Considered about two times this week. But all eyes are also on New Hanover County and our situation, the hearing with Stamped racism, anti-racism, and you, based on works by Ibram X. Kendi, and removing it from New Hanover County's curriculum. Rachel joins me now to talk about this national spotlight that North Carolina has been in, in particular with her reporting around Stamped. Welcome back to the Keep Your Rundown. I'm here with Rachel Keith. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Okay, we have a lot to get into during this segment. I'm excited Yet again, we are talking about the book. Yes. Um, Well, first, let's back up. Let's talk about the fact that you had a piece on NPR, like Mothership NPR. Can you tell us a
1: little bit about that? Yes, so I've been doing so much work for about a year on this book, and yes, um, we're all feeling the the stamped fatigue, but, (laughs) Um, I did pitch it to them because it was a big decision and it's been incremental and um, it was, you know, in a lot of people's minds, this is a big deal. And obviously there's been rallies and um, it's basically, it's a discussion over what can be taught in our schools, which is a poignant one. And so I pitched it to NPR and they really were curious about this one lone parent that had so much control over the outcome potentially at this point because we didn't know the outcome and that's what they wanted me to write about and actually when i talk to people about this story they say very similar things that wow one person could actually do this and so that is what i wrote i mean it's super
0: cool because Yes, uh, um, as you were saying earlier in the newsroom, that since you've been here in the last year or so, we've done a lot of stories with Mothership National NPR. And it's cool because our sister station, WUNC, I don't know, um, this past week on All Things Considered, they were actually on ATC twice during this week. Um, And it should be known that WUNC is usually doing statewide news, but we're reporting on New Hanover, And it's pretty cool that the national audience is interested in this one county in North Carolina. Out of all 100 counties, we're a pretty interesting county.
1: Yes. And (laughs) I will say, you know, Kelly Conoyer's had an awesome turtle story. Yes. And um, about the Tara Pentale. And then Nikolai Mather, our new reporters amazing just came out and did a a bat story too. that very sound rich it was fun that national picked up so i've been here about six years and this doesn't happen very often so you know i'm proud of our newsroom to start pitching to national and Yes, we were on the airwaves constantly in 2018 for Hurricane Florence because we were ground zero. Mm -hmm. But we're not used to this, our small Wilmington station. It's growing and our new staff is growing. So for us to get on national so often this year is pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now getting into this one lone parent that was able to have such control over the book discussion, Miss Katie Gates. She was the focus of this whole story. And nationally, people were looking to this one parent about a larger discussion of getting rid of books in counties. Now, we did a statewide piece where we kind of reached out to every single different school district, and we found an interesting trend that in counties that are mostly red, where they are just a red county, we're a purple one. They didn't have, some counties did not have books removed. Simply because there was no challenges to books. However, it is it should be noted that every single school does have a policy for challenging books. But in some counties, like Pender County, which is nearby, what happened?
1: Yes, so they did do some. Um, they pulled some selections out of out of the libraries, and um, Brenna uh, from Port City Daily did the reporting on that. So. We, we have in, this, in the Cape Fear region had these stories where books have been pulled, but there hasn't been this degree of pushback from another side. For example, the Democratic Party and local churches held a huge rally at the beginning of August to tell the school board they didn't want the removal, but we haven't seen that in Brunswick or Pender County um, because like we said, They are fairly red right now, so it's not as a contentious issue. There are, of course, people with nuanced thinking, and I'm sure that they do go to the call to audience and say they don't like this, but not to the degree of pushback that we've seen here because the seats here do flip between Republicans and Democrats. It's not just a stronghold. So kind of getting into that dynamic,
0: (laughs) um, New Hanover was kind of in the spotlight when we did have Proud Boys, coming to our school board meetings, the transgender policy was another thing that was extremely contentious. And then we led into the book situation, which kind of, I asked you earlier, is this a loud but minority that is talking about removing these books from the schools? What
1: did you find? Yeah, it is interesting. In my previous reporting, you know, a national NPR Ipsos poll in May said that about 50% of Republicans don't agree with book bans or book removals. Um, Some people take issue with the word ban. Um, But From what I have seen, and I've done reporting on this, the Democratic Party here and the Republican Party have come out very clearly on this debate. There's not a lot of nuanced thinking with the parties about how you should view the book stamped. But again, there are people, there are Republicans that don't agree. We have Stephanie Craybill, and that's an interesting story as well, because I talked to her last week and she still considers herself a Republican or um, and, you know, she doesn't say that she's a independent right now. She doesn't say she's a Democrat. But the Republican Party here are very critical of her. They've censured her before. And she
0: also doesn't vote along party lines with the other GOP candidates on the school board.
1: No. And she constantly votes like you're right with the Democratic members, Hugh McManus and Stephanie Walker. So, yes, a lot of ire is drawn at her for doing that. And it's interesting going back to nuances in the Republican party. I did talk to Nevin Carr, he's the local GOP chair. And he said that we are a big tent party and we do have dissent in our party. Um, And I did talk to one of those people and actually I got to know him through our project if you followed it one small step. And he also is an active member of the local party here. His name is Greg Stump. And um, he said this about book bans um, in the county before the decision.
2: I think if we're starting to ban books, then there's this slippery slope. So what would the the left, for example, what would the liberals what what books are they going to want banned?
1: And that's an interesting question. I mean, what if the political tides shift Mm -hmm. and liberals go for a particular book? and we actually talked about that on the newsroom, too. i know, sorry, everyone. but yes, yes, we are doing our big debrief of Stamped because, yes, I have followed this story for a year. and We're giving it, you know, the time that I think it deserves. So, yeah. And, I mean, we, you know, conservatives really like Ayn Rand, the Fountainhead. I remember mm-hmm. reading that in high school. Would a, you know, a liberal Democratic person say, I don't want my person to read this either. So, it could happen. So, now... Part of this conversation is how that
0: that particular AP class, AP language is is taught. Josie Barnhart, who is a GOP member of the school board, she, you know, tried to bring up the policy of standardizing how these AP classes are taught. And it's no it's no secret that part of that is because of the fact that different AP classes that are AP language from different teachers have different book requirements to read. And Kelly Kidwell, who's the teacher of this class in particular, she had stamped as one of the books that you could read for this class. So it's becoming a wider conversation of how AP classes are taught and what exactly is AP Lang. I remember when I took AP language, it was, we read some very out there books, but the whole point was to learn how to articulate your
1: opinions on paper. That's right. And full disclosure, I taught that class at one point in my life too, yes. that exact class. So I know how to how the test works, and it is intense, and you do have to get your students ready for those. They have to write three essays, and the multiple choice is quite intensive as well. Yes. I, oh my God, I
0: remember taking that exam. One year, it was on my birthday. I had my birthday look, and I got a five. Oh, <laughs> wow. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so now you talked to Greg Stump, right? And he said this, that book banning is it can be a slippery slope. He says that most people he believes that most people are actually pretty moderate, even though this issue is super polarized. This is what he had to say.
2: I think most people are relatively moderate and given a choice, they're going to go with what is reasonable. But now for me, for example, I would probably be labeled a rhino, a Republican in name only, because I don't agree with the fact that banning books is, you know, that that's the way ahead.
1: And Stephanie Graybill's been called that as well. A rhino. Um, yes. Um, and I did a report as well. There were about 330 some comments that the public left for the town hall in April. Mm-hmm. And the ones and the book, the book issue was not the majority of the comments, but if they did leave a comment, you actually did the math for this. I did the math. <laughs> I went through all of those comments because I'm like, what are people saying? And this was not popular in the people who left comments um, that they did not want to see this happen. And again... People who don't agree with this, they they can't get over the fact that the student didn't have to read the book, that she got an alternate assignment, so wasn't that remedy enough. So, you know, Stump saying that he doesn't believe that removing books is the
0: right way to go, even though he is a Republican and part of the GOP party, now we're getting into the inside workings and machinations of how our GOP party works here in New Hanover. So they actually put out messaging, right, to people that were part of the GOP party that was very clear on how they should feel about the book stamped, right?
1: Yes, that's correct. And we can add links to um, Nevin Carr's statements. He released those right before the rally that the Democratic Party um, had. And yes, um, they see Katie Gates as a hero. They really value her. They think she represents their party. So even though we will say and factually it is one lone parent because stephanie craybill asked don brinson who was part of the defense she is the assistant superintendent has any other parent made an official complaint yes there are probably hundreds and hundreds of complaints on social media but Mm -hmm. did anybody go through the actual process to make an official complaint yes and the answer is no so you know it, it is still difficult to to see but i mean it looks like this this is not what moderates would want either
0: and i think the interesting about this conversation as a whole is you know we live in new hanover which is one county out of 100 counties out in north carolina which is one state out of 50 states and i think sometimes it can feel like whatever's happening in our county is just in our county in our bubble whatever's happening in the state of north carolina is only happening in north carolina but it's a microcosm for what's happening all over the country and NPR having interest in our stories is really cool because then we get to showcase what's happening here in our lovely state of North Carolina to the rest of the country
1: yeah and I mean we are not a deep blue we are not a deep red so it is kind of a good example of the partisan divide playing itself out and it was interesting talking to one of the NPR editors i had to describe where we live and what it looks like and i said yes our county went for biden in 2020. Mm. um you know what what is the racial makeup of the school system wait so it's not wilmington city schools it's new hanover county schools it's (laughs) wilmington in new hanover yes um and of course i wouldn't know what was the deal maybe with a county or a city in washington state (laughs) so um but yeah i had to talk to her talk her through what who we are and what we look like and that was an interesting um experience for me we're a very unique place new hanover county yeah and i think we can all agree on that well
0: rachel Thank you for doing this year-long reporting. We have our newsroom, which is an hour long of this. (laughs) Thank you for doing the reporting for so long. And the story's not over, though. Yeah. We are going to be watching. We might have some lawsuits. We'll see. Rachel, thank you so much for being in the studio with me this week. Thank you. G-O-P. More like G-O-P partisan. The world of governance is actually pretty nuanced, so it's pretty fair to say that politicians often make promises, big promises, when they are running for office to compete for votes. But once they are actually voted in and part of government, it becomes a lot harder to just simply follow through on those promises that you once made. Ben is going to join us now to talk about how this very situation popped up in the new Hanover GOP. Welcome back to the Cape Fear Rundown. I'm here with Ben
2: Shockman. Ben. Hi, Cammy.
0: We are here to talk about the GOP. The I had to Google what that meant. It's the Grand Old Party. It is. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Grand Old Party here in New Hanover County. Correct. There's some stuff going on.
2: Yeah, and this is a story that came out of Honestly, calls and messages that I got from people I know and, and even some friends who are on the conservative side of the political spectrum. Okay. Who, particularly this was about the school board. Okay. And so here's a little bit of backstory. Here's a quick version. Um, recently, Superintendent Dr. Charles Faust, uh, his contract was up. And so there was a, uh, a vote on whether or not to renew it for four years. And it was a 6-1 vote in favor in favor of renewing uh, faust's contract
0: okay and who was the lone vote
2: the lone vote against was melissa mason who's a conservative republican who ran on a number of issues but including her opposition to faust um she had a number of issues with him uh you know claimed that he was allowing social emotional learning and critical race theory to be taught in the schools Mm. basically complaints about liberal indoctrination okay and so not a surprise she actually um had an entire blog post about how and why she would fire uh, Dr. Fowles yes she did so and the concern there was that superintendents do have contracts and if you fire them without cause you could get locked into a, a litigation situation okay and that's why she so explicitly made her case was that she was arguing we have cause to fire him. we could fire him without getting a lawsuit okay okay so the fact that she voted against renewing his contract not surprising um, Chairman Pete Wildeboer, uh, Vice Chair Pat Bradford and Josie Barnhart, all also conservative Republicans who ran alongside Mason in last year's election, all expressed concerns about Faust during the election. Um, but they didn't go quite as hard as Melissa Mason did. So, And then the two Democrats on the board, Hugh McManus and Stephanie Walker, also voted for
0: So this vote kind of threw the GOP at least members of the Conservative Party throughout New Hanover, kind of for a loop.
2: A little bit. I got some calls saying, hey, didn't Pat Bradford, didn't Pete Wilderboard? didn't these people say that they were going to fire Faust? I mean, what, what's going on here? And then about a week later, uh, Nevin Carr, who is the chairman of the county GOP, sent out an email, um, didn't pull any punches. He said, you know, we... Um, We were disappointed with Democratic leadership on the New Hanover County School Board. Mm. We put four conservative Republicans in in office. We expected to see some change. And you have every right to be outraged by last week's vote to keep Dr. Faust.
0: Okay. So then the three other conservatives that did vote to keep him... Went on the county's GOP podcast to do what?
2: I mean, I gotta, I gotta say this. This felt a little bit like an apology tour. Okay. Um, but they did also get a chance to explain themselves, which they hadn't been really able to do during the meeting. Uh, those school board meetings, as we all know, are very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this was an opportunity for them to sort of lay out their case. Okay. And, and maybe nuance a little bit what they had said in the past. Uh, Pete Wildebor told, you know, told the podcast host, "Rule sample." Look, I said I would help Faust out or help him out, meaning I would help him out to do a better job or help him out of the room. Okay. And not let the door hit him in the butt on the way out. So basically saying like, if I think Faust can improve, then I'll, I'll keep him. Um, Pat Bradford made a couple interesting points. One is that, you know, and this is true, superintendents serve at the pleasure of the board. So they do bring ideas to the board. They do have their own beliefs about how a school district should be run. But at the end of the day, the elected officials are in charge of the superintendent. The superintendent sort of looks over everything else.
0: Okay, so her point was that any action that Superintendent Faust had made in the past that they disagreed with was because of the previous school board.
2: Yep. And one particular example, and this was a really divisive issue between liberals and conservatives in New Hanover County, didn't always fall along those lines, but it in large part it did was the reopening of schools during covid Mm. there's a period of time where even the science had started to turn and suggest that the risk of getting covid to students in schools was being eclipsed by the learning damage the the loss of educational viability of, of, of being in the classroom. Yeah. Because remote learning, we were making that stuff up on the fly.
0: Of course. And we saw that, you know, I mean, we saw it in the data that reading ability for the younger grades, it was not there.
2: Yeah. And so um, both Pete Willibor and uh, Pat Bradford pointed out, both on the podcast and in emails to me, mm. that if you go back and look, there's public record, there's emails from Faust where he said, I think we should reopen. And the, the Democratic controlled board at the time wanted to wait. Now, that's not the armchair quarterback, how they handled it. I don't think anyone on any school board was prepared to handle a hundred year pandemic uh, or uh, once a, no. a once in a hundred year pandemic. <laughs> but it, it's, it's clear that that was a divisive issue and that Faust took a lot of heat from conservatives because the schools did stay closed. But he actually felt differently. So that was their point. OK. And Bradford also made another note um, that there's a real I shouldn't say it this way. Uh, She just said, this is a business decision. If we fire Faust, he might even take some of his top administrators with him. Mm. There's a real shortage in North Carolina of superintendents. I think she said there's something like 30 districts out of 117 that are in the process of looking for a superintendent. Wow. It's not a good job market to be an employer. might be a good market to be a superintendent if you're looking for a gig. There's
0: a whole bunch of people looking.
2: Yeah. I mean, sort of like, you know, name your price. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that could cause some chaos, you know. Losing top administrators, uh, especially right at the beginning of a school year, no, could no be, good. Could be truly chaotic. So those were their their points.
0: Okay, so now that we have this kind of divide within the GOP party, G, do you say GOP party? No,
2: no, GOP. Yeah.
0: Now that there's a little bit of this divide in the GOP that we're seeing, um, they can't exactly ram through now policies, right? Even though. Technically, they have a majority on the school board. so They should, in theory, be able to.
2: They should, yeah. And even without Stephanie Crabill, who's also a Republican, although she's been censured by the GOP and has voted along much more centrist, even liberal lines Mm -hmm. in some cases, um, just those four conservative Republicans have a majority on the board. So they should be able to put through any policy they want. And, you know, when we talked to a lot of party people, especially Nevin Carr, again, the chair of the GOP, he told us, yeah, you know, we disagreed on the Faust issue, but in general, we agree on most things. And there's sort of this saying in the Republican Party, like, if we agree on 90% of the stuff, then we're okay. Hmm. But at Tuesday's meeting this week, there were other things they disagreed about. I mean, just a handful of things. There were three votes I saw uh, covering the meeting that should have been slam dunks, so to speak, uh, for the GOP. There was an ethics policy that pat bradford wanted to put through there was a a policy on invocations that would allow board members to basically say a prayer Mm -hmm. um, or other religious speech at the beginning of a meeting and there was a surprise motion that wasn't on the agenda but josie barnhart put it forward to extend the contract of their new law firm from six months to a whole year okay and all those were things that you know conservatives had wanted uh some of them were things they had run on some of them were just things that they had you know decided over the last six months that they they wanted to do
0: but they didn't vote together though
2: and they didn't vote together melissa mason voted against those three things all three all three and so you had melissa mason voting with stephanie crabel a moderate republican and stephanie walker a, a liberal democrat um it's a very strange voting block. Mm-hmm. and i think and look they all had their own beliefs they all voted for what they voted for for the reasons they wanted And so the reason we're following this story is that, you know, when we hear from conservative listeners, and there are a few, (laughs) they want to know, what is what is my party doing? You know, where does my party stand on these issues? And so right now it seems a little uncertain. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they will mend fences. I'm sure. Of course. There are policies that are too important to, you know, conservative voters and conservative officials that they will put their differences aside to pass them. But it's to me, it was just an interesting space where that solidarity and that sort of like unified block that came out of the 2022 election. Yes. Um, that has kind of run into the much more nuanced, difficult, sticky world of actually governing and voting.
0: Can't always be one way. Is that a song? No. I just made it up. <laughs> I like it. It's a jam. <laughs> thank you. Well, Ben, thank you for being in the studio with me this week and breaking down the grand old party. Happy to do it. Thank you so much for listening to the Cave Fear Rundown. Check out our show notes for relevant links and titles to the music we used this week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just general feedback, feel free to shoot me an email at cmojica, that's M-O-J-I-C-A, at whqr.org. Or you can find me on X at cami Reports. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Camille Mojica, and I'll see you next week.